I'm all good. Oh, all righty, here we go. Intro coming down. For those tough wake-ups. Stats are misleading. It's Martian Mellow. Major foul. Wake up to serious sports talk. He fist is it. It's Marsh. The CFL, baby. And Mellow. I love Ken. It's Marsh and Mellow. This is football. For those tough wake-ups. They're heating up. It's Marsh and Mellow. Coming your way, Hamilton. Wake up to serious sports talk. Gas tank gonna be full. It's Marsh. In Canada. And Mellow. Why not, eh? It's Marsh and Mellow. Thank you, Canada. Everybody's doing it. Everybody is doing it. The Monday edition of Martian Mellow. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another week right here on Canadian Football Perspective. Thank you for being with us, as always, and a huge thank you to our good, good friends at Fox 40 for supporting us from day number one, and our relationship with them just gets stronger and stronger over time because you guys keep supporting the people who are supporting us here on CFP, and we really do appreciate that. If you need anything from them, they don't just have whistles, okay? Go check out their website, fox40shop.com, and use the promo code CFP15 at checkout. They got coaching boards. They got the whistles, of course. They got gear. They got nautical stuff, all sorts of fun stuff. If you want it, CFP15 is the place to go and get that 15% off. On behalf of us, it's our gift to you. And it just lets them know that they are doing the right thing by supporting us here at Canadian Football Perspective. Uh, all right, Kyle, week number three is in the books. Uh, I've seen you tweeting about a lot of sports, the Jays. You've been watching all sorts of different stuff over the last couple of days. You feel like you had a very <laughs> sports-heavy weekend. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, enjoyed the CFL. Um, what else did I enjoy this weekend? Oh, by the way, Friday night. Or was it Friday? No, Saturday afternoon. Man, uh, Weekend is one big blur now. Um, Saturday afternoon. How about the Buffalo Bills throwing it down against the Chicago Bears? Yes, it is preseason. But at this time of year in the NFL, we have uh, very little to be uh, happy for. Um, Preseason football is a bore for for the most part. But Mitch Trubisky played great. The Bills rolled the Bears. Trubisky got his dig at his old team. And uh, we're off and roll. (laughs) Uh, I'm glad to see Trubisky get some... Uh, some uh, recollection of how to play quarterback in against that team because it, it felt like it was rewarding for him to have that experience because his career, let's like look at it honestly, is not going anywhere at this point. Like he'll be lucky no. if he sticks in the league as a backup for the next five years, and uh, and then he'll just move on and go into something else, and he'll be remembered as the guy that got drafted way too high by Chicago when Patrick Mahomes was available, and Chicago passed on him and went with somebody else, and they made that mistake. But uh, every time that people talk about the Bills right now. Like, I am excited, obviously. It's it's great to be able to have a quarterback like Josh Allen and the offense and all these things. But I am terrified because I feel like the threats that are being made right now about New York State having to foot the bill for the new stadium, uh, they feel more real than they have in the past. I don't know why that is, but I've seen some of the verbiage coming out of the Buffalo Bills and the Buffalo Bills ownership camp on, hey, build us a stadium or we're actually leaving. And it doesn't seem like your typical owner just throwing out a, you know, a little smoke signal saying, yeah, just we want to put this in the back of your mind. It feels like now they're saying for real, hey, do this or we're not staying here. And then people start talking about where the bills could relocate. I always see on Twitter and I'm like, oh, my God, if the the bills left, I'm like (laughs) Western New York and Southwestern Ontario 
there would be a hundred thousand people because they yeah, right there's sixty some odd thousand people that can go into the Ralph, whatever the hell they call it now, Sport Core Pro Stadium. Used to be it used to be more. It used to be like seventy two thousand. Yeah. I went to a game in 05, the height of Trent Edwards, or maybe not 05, probably, uh, probably 07, 08. and it was the height of Trent Edwards, and I think there was seventy one thousand in there for Oof. that game. Yeah. Uh, but they've done renovations to kind of put the you know, lipstick on the donkey because that building is old <laughs> and it's gotten to the point where, yeah, they have, you know, they had to reduce some of the capacity of the Ralph. But they, so they got 60 some odd thousand people that can go in there. And I would say there's a lot of people I know in Ontario that will go down for a game or two a year, right? Out of the yeah. eight, eight home games. So, you know, you get your passionate season ticket holders, you get your people that go to as many games as they can, then you get some casual fans that go. And I'm like, there's easily over a hundred thousand people that that would, that would change their ability to enjoy sport experience. So I am excited about the bills. I know it's not going to affect them this year, but every time I see a headline about it, I just kind of cringe. Cause I'm like, I don't, I don't want to raise my son without being able to take him to bills games. Honestly, like that's, yeah, it's not a primary thing. If they move life moves on, but it's uh, it's scary. Whenever your team talks about moving, I actually watched a clip on YouTube today from 1994 when the CFL expanded into America and it was Dave Hodge uh, anchoring for Inside Sports on TSN and Rod Smith reporting on it, which from 94, I was like, oh, my God, uh, Rod <laughs> Smith's still out here doing it at a top notch level like he was way back in the early 90s. But and you see the conversation around Ottawa and the fact that they had to sell their team to, to Bruce Firestone. Right. And that they Gleibermans were going to take over and be in uh, in Shreveport and. Uh, you've got this uh, passionate ownership that uh, it's buying in in Baltimore. And like just the idea of franchises moving is such a touchy subject with sports fans. Yeah. Um, I, I, the one thing I will say that's probably going in the favor of Buffalo sports fans, where do you put a team if you're Roger Goodell? I know there's always talk about, oh, they're going to put a team in London. Good luck with the logistics of that. Like that's n- unless Elon Musk can build a like a plane that can get there in an hour. It's not happening. Like just the time difference is going to be such a wear on players. And if they're playing there on a Sunday, good luck getting a turnaround there. So a team can play on a, you know, following Thursday or whatever the case may be. Like it's not happening logistically. It does not make sense for the NFL. And I think there are fan bases of other teams that do want the Bills to stay in Buffalo because they knew they they know how small town of a team that is and how much Buffalo loves their you know uh, loves their team that they will make a trip to the Ralph for a for a road game um, to watch their team play. Um, so yeah, I think for the Buffalo Bills, they have Tom Anek always talked about it, right? They have the heritage brand on their side. For the NFL, you have to keep that a staple of the league. I would hope so, yeah. But it, because it is a smaller market comparative to a lot of their other places, it's making them less money. But where do you put game. a team? Well, like and, but Los Angeles has a team. I, New York, where you could put another one. Right. But, but I, I don't think it's about moving to necessarily a larger market. I think it takes one mega rich person, like a Stan Kroenke type, right? Who, if they he want his to, own issues. Right. But if they want to move a, t- a team into Portland, if they want to move and create a rivalry with the Seahawks, if they want to move a team into San Antonio, because Texas will always take more football. If there's a rich oil person out there that wants to, it takes, it's kind of like the draft where you always say, you know, it, it only takes one team to love a player to get them drafted. Right. And in the NFL, you've got 32 teams and the, the likelihood of somebody taking a shot on Johnny Manziel in the first round, we were all like, it takes one. It takes maybe a crazy Jerry Jones or it takes a desperate Browns team or 
And so I'm, I'm looking at the threat of the bills leaving and the, the economy of the NFL is such that if you invest in getting a team, it will create an entirely new economy in your city. Everything that goes into surrounding an NFL franchise is just, it brings so much money and it brings so much power that whoever wants to invest in that. So I don't think it has to be London. It could be anywhere, um, which again is different than the CFL. And maybe that's something that we should be thankful for in the CFL is that because the money is not unbelievable in the millions and billions of dollars that the NFL is when they move franchises and take them to places and start fresh, whatever, then the CFL teams are a little bit more consistent, safe. I don't know. Maybe it's the fact we don't have more big cities to put teams into. I know people have always talked about, uh, you know, London and Quebec city and all that, but everything has a flaw. Uh, And the CFL is never going to have that pull. Whereas it just takes one super rich person in the NFL for the Buffalo bills to not be the Buffalo bills anymore. And that is terrifying because if they have the money to pull it off, it's always a threat. It's it's never not going to be a threat when you're a small market team. Yeah, there's a couple of things that you know rich people can do to you know pull an NFL team from a city and put it in their city. But as we saw with Donald Trump, um, you know, back in the day um, in, in the '90s when he was trying to get an NFL team, it also takes the other owners to get on yeah. board. And I think the other owners. For as much as they love money and they love money, I don't think there's a city in America without an NFL team that can make it work and that they would be better, you know, financially than the Buffalo Bills and at least enough of a gap to say, hey, you're making 10, 15% more. I don't think that gap is enough to say, wow, the Buffalo Bills have been around since the beginning in the NFL. Nah, screw you. Because yeah. that's a bad look on the league for only 10 or 15% more dollars. Um, I don't think that's the case. Um, I think the NFL has kind of, you know, landed in every big city, or at least they tried football in every big city. Or is football going back to Oakland? No. Why is it not going back to Oakland? Well, because people in Oakland still have this, you know, attachment to the Raiders. I got to cheer for another NFL team that you bring through the door. San Diego? I mean, people were pretty grumpy when they left. I mean... They're just up the street in, in <laughs> Los Angeles and they're still the chargers. Uh, like, know. this is the problem. Like we, we got so Los Angeles crazy that we're like, Oh, let's put a team in Los Angeles. Screw it. Let's put two teams in Los Angeles. And it's like the chargers. I watched some of their games. There's empty seats, Yeah, but Hey, it's the lights of Hollywood. Okay. Yeah. It, it, the chargers, if you would rank the chargers in terms of where they rank in terms of interest level, for the people of Los Angeles and the surrounding communities, where would they land? 10, 11? You're talking yeah. Lakers, Clippers, Rams, uh, you know, all these leagues. You're talking <laughs> USC football. Galaxy, like, UCLA, LAFC. <laughs> yeah, like they're probably on that level yeah. of like LAFC or something like that. So I'm looking at the situation thinking, yeah, you probably don't want to do that again. Um, if you're Roger Goodell and, uh, but we'll see, um, for the Buffalo bills, obviously staying in Buffalo's best case scenario. I was always yeah. a big fan of maybe moving the team to Niagara falls, putting it on the other side of the border, uh, on the other side of the falls. So, uh, there was this huge thing where they were going to create a pedestrian bridge and you can just walk across. Oh man. that would be. I'm so like, cool. Oh, that would have been so good. I could have parked that and walked across to a bills game. And I can see the stadium on the Canadian side of the border. Man. Hell yeah. That's one of those, uh, you know, dream it up and it'll probably never happen. But those, but, 
those wild, crazy thoughts that somebody has and they throw it out there. And then you look at it and you're like, uh, yeah, I would love that. That would, that would be yeah. an enjoyable experience. But the people in Buffalo and people in Orchard Park would be pissed. Yeah. Yeah, man. Orchard it's not Park's- like the, dr- it's, it's not that the drive is annoying. It's the fact that, oh man, you're telling me we can't, we can uh, tailgate in the parking lot of the Ralph anymore at Orchard Park where it's a small yeah. town and all that matters is football. Uh, part of it as well for me, just to wrap up on this, is that uh, the human side of me is terrified of what would become of Orchard Park, New York, if the Bills left, because it's already a te- it's a trash town. Like it's it's a tiny little, Detroit. It's a tiny little suburb <laughs> that doesn't matter, other than that the Buffalo Bills play down the street, and for eight Sundays a year, it's the most energetic, crazy, high tempo. And the locals, some of them probably hate the fact that the Bills create that eight Sundays a year, but. I also know a woman that I, I parked at her place when I would go to Bill's games when I was in university who paid for her kids daycare for the entire year with eight Sundays worth of parked cars on her lawn. And it's, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about with the economy. It's like it, that stuff is untapped and the bills are not charging for that. That's just going in that woman's pocket because that's Orchard Park and that's the setup. There's not a whole lot like that around the NFL. And I hope it never leaves. But uh, but anyways, it is Canadian football perspective. So we will dance our way into some chatter here. I just wanted to start off. Um, talking about a really, I, I think fun is the easy word, but I would say eye-opening experience, to be honest with you. I've always promised you guys here on CFP that we would use this as a, as a platform to be able to kind of tear down the layers a little bit, see inside how the, the painting is made and all the rest. And, uh, the CFL is a, is a great, great league. It really is. And there's a lot of things that I think we take for granted in it. And one of them, I think and obviously I'm biased and I have no problem admitting that in this is the production of the television broadcast. And there's always these things of like, you know, put all the games on CTV, the national broadcast, because you do it for the NFL. I see that tweet once in a while. I see people that say, you know, we need more uh, of the, the sky cam, like behind the quarterback to make it look like Madden. Cause that's how kids grow up watching football, playing video games. And I'm like, well, I agree with that too, but that stuff's expensive and you got to get people to, to work that spider cam throughout the game. And, so there's always suggestions. There's always improvements. There's always, and I like that. It's you would never want to have a situation where everybody goes, "This is as good as it gets." We're never going to improve. Let's just stop caring. Yeah. I like that people care, and I like that they want to push it forward. Um, but I also now have seen for the first time because I did a rehearsal game at the Argos Bombers game this week for play by play. I've seen how incredible the machine is that creates the CFL on TSN. Like I've been in the production meetings and I've I've seen the way that they accrue content throughout the week and the incredible directors and producers and behind the scenes people it, like I'm not kidding when I say and this isn't to take away from anybody who's on camera play by play color sidelines whatever we are all idiots compared to the people in the truck like idiots idiots I don't know what other word to use because Everyone in the truck is so smart and able to turn things around so quickly and they're so energetic and they know exactly where they go. And obviously all that comes with reps and they've got a billion more than I do, but I was just in odd commercial breaks. I got Chris Edwards in my ear, tremendous producer for the CFL and TSN and a bunch of live sporting events across TSN. And he's painting the picture for me so vividly of where we're going. So he's like 60 second commercial break. Okay, listen guys, we might have this, we might have this. We'll let you know in 15 seconds. 15 seconds later, he comes on. Okay, we got this. We're going from one to two to three. Okay, A, B, C. Ready? Coming down to three, two, and all that's going on. Bang, 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 in the truck. And then we come back on, 
and I know exactly where I've got to go and how long I have to get there and how, and it's just amazing to see how well organized that machine is from the inside out. And there were some things that I got to clean up that, in, which is why you do rehearsal, right? I saw Zach Wilson yeah. of, of the jets talking about throwing interceptions in practice last week. And he was like, yeah, it's practice. He's like, this is why we practice because we want to learn how to not make the mistakes in the game. So uh, for me, it was a practice run, and uh, there's lots of stuff that I, I want to improve on. I've taken lots of notes and all the rest, but I just I wanted to use this platform, uh, and I wanted to let people know that listen and enjoy this this Canadian Football Perspective podcast network that we have going, how good the people and how hardworking the people are that, that bring you Canadian football on TSN week in, week out. Yeah, um, I have some experience in, you know, TV production, uh, going back to my cable 14 days. Um, I did that for like two years. And for our Bulldogs coverage, we're talking 07 when the Bulldogs went on their Calder Cup uh, uh, championship run, uh, Carey Price in town and everything like that. And they were all the hype in Hamilton. And those broadcasts were big mm-hmm. in cable 14 uh, perspective. And it took 18, 19 people to put on that broadcast. I can only imagine what covering a football game is like. Um, when I was a kid before 14, we did, I think a couple of Ticats preseason games and we had to bring in extra people, extra cameras. We're like, wait, we never use camera 10 on the screen. Why is that <laughs> on? Oh yeah, you need it um, on big productions like that. But like you said, it's the reps that you get under you. Yeah. Um, for us during that Bulldogs run, by the time, I think it was Hershey they uh, faced in the final. Um, by the time that championship uh, series came up, we were like clockwork. Why? Because we were doing it every night for yeah. leaping three weeks. Yeah, it's so true. You, reps are so important in this stuff, which is why I'm so glad I got this game. And the funniest moment that I think I had the whole game where I realized, because I, I knew it was going to be rusty and I was looking forward to knocking off the dust because it's been damn near two years since I've called the game, Kyle. And this, I remember one time, calling a preseason game. I think it was my second year doing Tiger Cats broadcasts. And the first quarter went awful in this preseason game. And I knew it went awful. I felt it the whole first (laughs) quarter. I was in my head because I realized like I'm stumbling through calls. I'm getting names wrong. I'm like, I'm tripping over myself going to break. It just, it felt so bad. And it was a preseason game. And I turned to John Salavanas, Coach Sal, in the booth with me to start that season in the pre and I turned to him at the end of the first quarter when we went to break and I said, why is this so effing hard? I'll never forget. Just, I, <laughs> I, I had, I had to ask him cause he's the old grizzled vet who's been around and seen it all and been on the broadcast yeah. forever. I turned to him and said, why the F is this so effing hard? <laughs> and I was so frustrated and angry. I started dropping F bombs, which is a bad, <laughs> bad crutch that I need Especially to break. in front of coach Sal. Yeah. And I, I, I swore right in front of him, which I do very often. And he just started laughing and he said, it's fine. It'll come back to you. Right. Like again, the yeah. old, co- old ball coach is just like, settle in, get your heart rate low. It's oh. going to be okay. But so that was, I knew it was going to be kind of, not rough, but I knew I was going to have some moments where I'd be like, yeah, that wasn't smooth. And uh, the moment it popped up was going to break the first time, right. It's Toronto gets the first possession in that game. I think they go down and uh, end up having like three, four plays. And then there's an incompletion on second down and uh, they got to punt the ball away. And I get a little bug in my ear from uh, Chris Edwards, who says, going to break here, Kalaro's tease, Kalaro's tease going to break. And I'm like, you know, so incomplete. And here's the punt and Boris Beattie comes out and knocks this one inside the 10. 
and they start running the graphics and says, okay, Kalaros tees. And they go to a shot of Kalaros and they said, coming up right after this, Zach Kalaros hits the field as he returns to Toronto with an opportunity to keep on rolling for the defending Grey Cup champs. Boom, go to break. I'm like, good. Well, the next commercial break, I basically was like, I don't, I don't remember exactly what it was, but I essentially said, you know, Nick Arbuckle going to get an opportunity when he comes out. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. I was like, you actually have to have creative throws here to not yeah. sound the exact. I'm like, damn, how did Cuthbert have 500 ways to go to break? And I'm like, well, I immediately on my piece of paper, I just wrote down creative teases underline, underline, yeah. underline. i'm like you really got to mix and match and find some things that and again over time that that comes with more rest yeah, but, yeah. but but i enjoy i enjoyed immediately going okay that's why we're doing this that's number one that i need to fix yeah like doc emmerich i think is the perfect example of this he talked about it he got interviewed i can't remember who did the interview but he was talking about you know his broadcasting career and you know learning hockey and learning the nhl and he said, that's one thing you have to come up with because it is, a even though it is a free-flowing game, even more so than football, yeah. hockey's a more free-flowing game, it is just repetition. Team dumps the puck in, goes into the corner. Well, you can't keep saying, oh, that team dumped the puck in, and now they go into the corner. You can't keep <laughs> saying that. So you have to come up with like 100 different ways to, okay, they push the puck into the corner of the ice, and then they go after it, right? So like you have to be able to you know draw up all of these different vocabulary sayings for for these different sports that you call uh i think my my fallback of everything i realized in in the first game i'm actually calling live which is bc at ottawa this coming saturday if it starts to go sideways and i keep repeating myself i'm just going to go and do my scottish accent and become ray hudson i, I think that's the plan yes <laughs> yes is that hey even if you're saying the same it's just i'll, I'll bring like a little mini dictionary and I'll just start flipping through yeah. the pages and, oh, magisterial, and just start flipping through and trying to find words that I don't even <laughs> understand what are happening with them. But, uh, yeah, it, it's it's such a skill. It really is such a skill. I got so much respect for, you know, Dustin Nielsen's done an incredible job this year. Kyle, you were telling me that the other day, that how much you liked uh, what he's been able to do and obviously uh, being able to uh, to see the way that, you know, Rod Smith has mastered the craft over time and, there's a lot of people that are doing a lot of good stuff on the CFL and TSN. So uh, I'm excited to see exactly where we can take it. And I'm, I'm really thankful as well to have Dwayne Ford alongside me throughout the entire experience. Cause Dwayne is, uh, he's the best man. He's just such yeah. a nice, such a nice person. So knowledgeable. I talked to him after the game was done in Toronto. Cause he was calling it with Dustin Nielsen on the actual feed for TSN. And uh, even when Dwayne is talking to you about, football stuff it's like you know he's telling you five percent of how much he actually knows about the game but he's just so good at being succinct uh and and knowing when to get in and when to get out and i know we're gonna have a lot of fun because i love Dwayne's personality as much as i love his uh, his knowledge of the game so anyways it's uh, just yeah. a shout out to everybody the cfl and tsn and, and a thank you to them uh for having me in because it's it's a great experience that i'm uh, i'm really hopeful that i'll be able to uh, make make them proud and make sure that they know that it was well worth the shot to uh, bring me in and have me blab about football <laughs> uh before we uh, start breaking down week three of yeah. the cfl you mentioned ray hudson do you know where ray hudson uh does now and what inner miami yeah, he's doing Inter Miami, and he just did this weekend's game where Inter Miami handed TFC. TFC their ass on a silver <laughs> platter. Just TFC's, I I get in flashbacks to like 2010 TFC when they were absolutely yeah. putrid, 
and uh it's bad um mlsc needs to figure that out fast i it's funny i actually went down a wormhole uh the other night on this subject because i saw that uh so long story short on this i listen to the dan levitard show a lot i love that podcast i love those guys they're fantastic and uh one of the people that is in the shipping container for them which is the room with all their producers is chris whittingham well chris whittingham got the call to do his first television game dude's 28 like he's 28 years old and he got the call to call inter miami on television across the country with ray was he doing the game with Ray yeah oh he was good yeah so 28 years young and calling the game and doing it with ray hudson and it like they talked about it ad nauseum on that podcast early in the week because they're saying like this is incredible this guy's got such a great opportunity and it's such yeah. a rare such a rare chance to get to call a game that's you know it's not an mls cup final or something like that but it's a big moment and uh and obviously i'm in the same boat i'm getting bc ottawa neither team's been fantastic through the year i don't give a shit <laughs> I don't, I don't care. It's a great, great opportunity. And so I started looking up like, Oh, who else is on the inner Miami broadcast? Kaylin Kyle, former national women's soccer team, but she's doing the pregame show and she's all over inter Miami social media. And so now you got Ray Hudson, legendary color guy, Chris Whittingham, who I've been listening to on podcast forever. And Kaylin Kyle, all doing inter Miami stuff as they just, like you said, beat the pulp out of TFC. So, uh, I remember Kaylin, uh, Back in the day, she's, I think, a couple of years younger than me. So when we were playing, you know, soccer around the same time, um, there were girls games going on and she was like 14. Mm-hmm. And she was like, her statistics playing as a kid were just stupid. Really? She was like, oh, my goodness. She was scoring like, <laughs> oh, yeah, she leads the league in goals by 16. I'm like, How? <laughs> yeah. uh, I remember her playing for Team Canada. I think it was way back in 2012 in London. She was on the women's national soccer team and that was I yeah. think, when they won bronze, uh, which I can't get over how cool our women's soccer team being the best on the planet from the Olympics is. That was the most badass thing yeah. to go through the United States, go through Sweden and win the gold after you wanted to change the color and there was no guarantees and going through two PK shoot. It's just like, oh, it was so cool. But anyways, I will say this about that matchup between uh, Team Canada and Team USA in the semi of the Olympics. Yeah, I was watching the game and obviously I don't pay attention to like and I, it's probably a fault in me. Uh not pay attention to women's soccer like in depth because I only pay attention to the national teams. Mm -hmm. So I watch Canada and I see, you know, Jesse Fleming and I see all these like younger players where it's not just Christine St. Clair. They have younger players to add uh, to the group. And then I'm looking at the U S team and it's like, okay, Megan Rapinoe, uh, Carly Lloyd, Alex Morgan. Wait, this is the same team. Yeah. they ran out here eight years ago. I'm like, it's the same <laughs> team. Alex Morgan, no <laughs> I couldn't believe Alex Morgan was in the Olympics because she had a kid like five minutes ago. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I couldn't believe that. I'm like, man, like, uh, how is that humanly possible? And again, not to comparison shop, but like Marlene, you know, 11 months ago has Noah. And the idea that Marlene would have enough time to be able to get herself into Olympic soccer quality of cardio and athleticism is like obviously Alex Morgan's at a different level because she's done that forever as her job but it's like that's it's a hell of a thing I've I've realized for women to be able to go through that process 
and come out the other side and retain what they had in the first place. Now do it with the expectation that you have to do it on a timeline and be in the Olympics. And I just, I couldn't believe Alex Morgan was out there, yeah. but you're right. Yeah, it was, it was certainly a lot of the more familiar oh. names, but Canada's young group is so exciting because they're going to be good for a long time. Yeah. Um, and you know, Christine St. Clair, I think she talked about that after they won the gold medal. She says the, the biggest feeling of satisfaction that she's had is not only winning the, the gold medal, it's that Canada soccer is in a way better position now yeah. than when she started with the team. And I think that's so true. Uh, back yeah. on the point of, you know, having a baby and quick turnaround playing, uh, I think it was Rachel Holman that played in the Scotty's Tournament of Hearts, I think a week and a half after she gave birth. Like, that's insane. I know curling's not physically exhausting like the sport of soccer, but still, it's yeah. a week and a half later and she's out there and skipping her team. And I think she made the semis of that, of that Scotty's. That almost weirds me out, though, like, because <laughs> I, I would not be able to take time away from my child when they're a week and a half old. Like, I have a hard time right now being away from Noah to, like, go call a game for a full day. Like, yeah. I scramble home because I'm like, I don't want to miss anything. Like, at the little moments, you get terrified that you're going to miss another tooth coming through or a, a first step or their first clear coherent word or a new sound they're making or they pick up a new scale or and uh so yeah to just be like yeah i have to go curling for several days in a row but <laughs> goodbye my baby who's a week old I, i'm like oh i i don't think i could do that honestly yeah now that i'm thinking of it i don't think it was the Scotty's tournament of hearts. I think she was still pregnant at that time because chelsea okay. carey stepped in on that ontario team um i think it was a couple of weeks later. There was a tournament. I don't know any tournament outside of Scotland. Crazy. Of parts. It might have been the World Championships um, because they won the uh, trials to represent Team Canada. And she played in that. And it was something like a week and a half or two weeks after she gave birth. Yeah, that is wild. Uh, we will take a quick break for you right here. Let you hear from our good friends at Forced Joni. And we will come back on the other side and give you some uh, breakdowns of what we saw in the Canadian Football League over the weekend. It is Marsh and Mel right here for you on CFP. Marshall Ferguson here for my friends at Forced to Joni. Some of their specials and features going on over the next couple of weeks. Fantastic. You're going to want to check them out. ForcedToJoni.ca. They got the Triple Bogey Contest giveaway. $5 tall cans of Triple Bogey Lager and Amber. That stuff is delicious. Every Triple Bogey sold will be a ballot into a draw to win some great golf prizing, including a grand prize of a custom Triple Bogey golf bag. They've got Lamb Spadini on the barbecue on the patio. Once every couple of weeks, you can follow them on Instagram for updates at F-O-R-E dot S-T-A-G-I-O-N-E. That's at four dots to Joni on Instagram. They got a new summer drink menu that's going strong, ending in the fall. And daily drink deals such as Sangria Saturday, personal favorite of mine, Corona Buckets, and $9 Classic Cocktails. For those tough wake-ups. John Gott drank a beer and then crushed it off the side of his helmet. This was a damn Canada heritage moment. It's Marsh and Mellow. I've been talking about it for probably five years now, and I finally pulled the trigger. <laughs> saw that beer, chugged it, and crushed it over my head, and that was about it. Oh, man, I hope I get a moment like that in Ottawa when I'm calling that game. That would be fantastic. Uh, welcome back. It is Marsh and Mellow here on Canadian Football Perspective. Thank you, as always, for joining us, and thank you to our good friends, Sala City and Fox 40, for supporting us alongside Forced Joni. And, of course, we're going to have some updates for you on offthetee.ca coming up as well in September. Our good friend Carlo Macaluso, uh, I said, hey, Carlo, do you want some love in August? He said, I'm sold out, dude. He's like, I, I, I don't have any room for anybody. I'm fully, I'm fully booked. So he said, why don't we wait until September and then you can get the people excited about some late season, some, uh, some early fall 
golf here. So we'll update you on him as well coming up. Let's dive in, Kyle, for about 20 minutes here on yeah. uh, on all things week number three in the Canadian Football League. It's in the books. Uh, you did a great job, I thought, writing up the uh, the betting perspective pieces again. Wasn't fantastic. Uh, that's all right. On CFP, <laughs> I find that stuff interesting, and I hope that people are giving that a read on our website because Kyle's pumping out those basically – uh, the day of the game leading into the game, a little synopsis of what he's looking at, what the Lions are, a little bit of prop stuff here and there once in a while. Uh, so make sure that you are checking those out. But let's go chronologically as always. Thursday, it always feels when we're talking here on a Sunday night like it was a month ago when we talk about Thursday night football. But uh, by the way, only one more week of Thursday night football left, which is crazy because you always stop Thursday night football when you hit Labor Day because the NFL comes in. And you don't want to go Thursday nighter versus Thursday nighter for ratings. And uh, and so <laughs> I can't believe that as of after next week, it's only Friday and Saturday games. Now, with that being said, there is also a Tuesday game on the CFL calendar this year. There's a Wednesday game. Uh, there's a Sunday game coming up this week. Like we're a little bit all over the place in terms of that stuff. But Thursday fine with the Sunday games when NFL season is not going on. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, it's the, I guess the last chance to pump in a Sunday game for them there. So yeah. they're going to take advantage of it. But 21 uh, 16 Edmonton holds on, gets their first victory of the year. Uh, they found a way. They found I was really disappointed in BC in this one because uh, the new ownership coming in with Amar and what his vision is, I'm I'm ecstatic and I'm not even close to the team. Like if I was around that organization, I would be so thrilled with this new ownership coming in and the the energy that that has to give your franchise going forward here because he could not have have had a better interview on the CFL and TSN in that game, Kyle. I don't know if you actually got a chance to listen to it, yeah, but he was saying like, we need more people wearing orange and black in our city. We need to have more orange and black visible in the city on billboards otherwise. And he said, and I'm not scared to get out my wallet and make that happen. And I'm like, Ooh, if I was a <laughs> fan of that team and I wanted that team to grow, I'm like, I would just be like holding up a lighter and waving it back and forth in front of my face being like, yes, you get me. I'm with you. Let's do this thing together. Uh, but then they go out and they, in the second half, they put up 12 points, but it was like a four point first quarter, nothing in the second and yeah. then nine point. I mean, it's just the offense for BC has so much potential. They, they look like they are so close to being in rhythm and they just can't consistently put it together. Similar, honestly, to what I think of Ottawa right now. I don't think Ottawa is as bad as we thought. They just can't put together drives. Which, yeah, you would say, okay, if they can't put the drives on their <laughs> That's bat. That's the point. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, but it's, but it's like you see the potential there and you're going, okay, I know that you guys show flickers of this. Why can't this be the norm? Yeah. So one thing on BC ownership and that interview, he talked about, you know, laying out his wallet for, for marketing. And for people watching that, they... The, the pessimist would say, oh, yeah, but that's that's PC. I worry about my team and my team only. Yeah, but maybe he sets the model yeah. for what marketing can do and what marketing dollars can do. And all of a sudden, we see full stadiums in 2023 and so on and so on and really get some steam under it where players can start making more money because there's more money coming in. And I think that's important to the picture. So I liked what he said. Now it's, the, uh, you know, it's time to put actions uh, behind those words. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. As for the football game, mm -hmm. I've never seen a left tackle go down in second play of the game and it completely wrecks an offense. <laughs> Joel Figueroa goes out and BC forgets how to protect. It was absolute bonkers to me. It was like, it made my head hurt. 
And for somebody that had the Lions, I apologize to all those people that went on CFPerspective.com and uh, followed what I put out there. I thought Edmondson, I said bet against the trend until it changes. Mm. And it changed. So now, right. stop betting against the Elks well, and that's every why, single week. <laughs> that's why everybody basically picked uh, BC to win. Because we're like, okay, they're coming off a nice little victory, right? Yeah. They, they get themselves going and they're coming home. They got new ownership. And Edmonton's struggling. And it was like, okay, at some point, Greg Ellingson was going to wake up and become the guy that we all know. But we didn't know what game it was going to be. So we're all just hedging our bets that it's not going to happen yet. Well, guess what? It happened. And, and when it happens, then you end up getting Greg Gellingson going for nine catches on 10 targets for 148 yards, a long of 44, average of 16.4 yards. Like, and you start to realize, okay, well, that's what, that's why we all had Edmonton as like a possible Grey Cup contender at the start of the year was that you have Darrell Walker, who, by the way, didn't even play great and was still good. Like they have so much potential for growth um, that Edmonton is terrifying. And I just thought that BC had a chance to really close the new ownership storyline in week three with a punch, right? And just say like, okay, yeah. Edmonton's good. They gave us a really good punch here where Trevor Harris is completing 84% of his passes for 300 yards, but they can do that. That's fine. We have Mike Riley. We have Brian Burnham. We have a really talented linebacking core of Chiaffi Williams and Bola Combo. And we got these young pass rushers. We got a talented back end in the defensive backfield. I was like, I thought BC could have taken this punch and just weathered it and been like, yeah, that's cool. You guys do your thing, but we're still just going to beat you doing what we do. Mm-hmm. And they just could, they just couldn't. And that was disappointing to me because that felt like a missed opportunity. Yeah. And uh, last thing before we move on to the next game, your guy, Peter Godbear, um, the fourth quarter, he was, he was bad. My guy, I actually haven't watched the offensive line stuff closely, but I'm going it, to dig into both BC <laughs> and Ottawa on game film in a way that I'm not sure I ever have before because I want to be as prepped as possible for this game Saturday that I'm calling. So I'll let you yeah. know when I actually get through the tape, what, what the hell happened? There was a stretch. I want to say midway through the fourth quarter, BC goes for it on third down. Mike Riley gets sacked. And it was Godbear that completely whiffed on the block. He snapped the ball and kind of just reached. Please. And the dude just swam him, got past and hit Mike Riley um, to stop the drive. And then on, I think it was the following drive, two penalties, one declined and one accepted both on Godbear for holding. It's, yeah. it's rough. He had a rough go of it. Yeah, he did. He did. Uh, 28-22, Calgary ends up defeating the Montreal Alouettes. Again, the disappointment that I felt in BC in game number one of the week, I felt the same for Montreal because Montreal yeah. seemed like they had a real opportunity, just like BC to close this thing out. It gets to a six point game. They drive the length of the field and the heroics and the true CFL comic, the scoring split in this game, I thought was wild because, you know, for every single snap that gets taken, uh, I track what the score differential is when that snap is taken, just because it gives me some cool funky analysis points of you know inside four or you know inside five minutes left in the fourth quarter in a one score game I can sort that in my charts and then say uh, you know who is the most likely to throw the ball or who's most likely to run the ball when they're up by more than one score in the fourth quarter who's the most conservative who's the most aggressive and so I track this stuff and the one that I I just was in awe of was this Montreal Calgary game throughout the weekend because the snaps that Montreal took in this game Kyle uh, throughout they were at various points throughout the game just to show you the back and forth because this was a real true CFL game with a proper CFL finish as well they were three points down then they got a touchdown they were four points up then they were 10 points up then 11 points up Calgary gets a touchdown now they're back to five points up field goal they're only up two 
now you're getting into mid third quarter, late third quarter. They go from being up two, where they've been down three, up three, up four, up 10, up 11, up five, up two. Now they're down five, down seven, down 14 for a while. Single gets scored down 13, down seven, down six. Can't close the deal. So it was basically yeah. uh, late in the fourth quarter where they, they worked it back down. They had an opportunity, but that was a roller coaster, man, to go through and see Montreal trying to battle him. But they took so many penalties. I think I saw someone tweet that it was the most penalties that franchise has taken since like 2018 and it was close to being the all-time record they were only four penalties off and they were just they were undisciplined and Calgary again did not play fantastic like Calgary still has a lot of room for growth in the power rankings Calgary should still be sixth or lower from everybody whether it's us three down the CFL power rankings any individual podcasts out there I can't imagine Calgary going a lot higher than than sixth uh but yeah, I mean, there's Calgary, Winnipeg coming up in week number four will be an interesting one with Winnipeg losing against Toronto, of course, and Calgary getting a victory. It's like, well, that's you know, either Zach's going to dominate what Calgary has to offer or Calgary's going to send a message that we're not expecting. Yeah, so both teams coming into week three, the Calgary Stampeders and the Edmonton Elks, you know, both of those teams were desperate for a win. Now Edmonton gets their win. I was more impressed with Edmonton's victory than I was Calgary's, even though I think the level of opponent was better in Montreal being better than BC. Um, I think for Calgary, the offense without Bo, it's going to take a while, right? And Mayer, I thought he got better. Um, mm-hmm. I thought the first couple of drives he had. I thought he was going to get benched. Throw the interception. Yeah, like uh, benched. And I thought it was going to be a train wreck for the Stampeders. I but typed out they... a Michael O'Connor tweet. I typed out a Michael O'Connor <laughs> is in the game tweet. And I was just waiting for O'Connor to step out on the field for the start of the next drive. And I was just going to go click and have it already set up and have it sent out immediately. And I, I realized after he came back out on the field and he put together a nice little drive, I'm like, okay, maybe they'll give him some more time. He came out and did it again. And I went, yeah, I'm going to delete this tweet. This is never getting sent because yeah. O'Connor's not going in the game. <laughs> However, I don't think their offense is still fantastic. Yeah. Um, I think Mayer is good, um, good enough to be maybe a backup in this league. And again, it's one game he can, you know, th- throw 300 yards his next game. And the Calgary Stampeders are often running a backer, you know, top the West division, you know, eight weeks from now. I'm not saying that, but yeah. if you're a Calgary fan, I think it's going to take some time even with this team whereas Edmonton maybe you got your team back because that offense was really hampering your your side and they figured it out against BC I think Calgary's you know still maybe a couple of weeks away however for Montreal the offense is it's frustrating sometimes right what was that 150 yards rushing Mm -hmm. but it doesn't seem their rush game is a part of their offense at times there are times where they run the ball for five yards on first down, and then they don't go back to it on second down. I want to see the Montreal Alouettes stick to that. You know, hand the ball to William Stanback, run a read option with Vernon Adams Jr. And by the way, I thought Vernon Adams Jr. multiple times in the game could have ran for a first down. Instead, try to throw it as he's running towards the line of scrimmage. Dude, if there's an opening, take it. If you can get 12 yards with your feet, take it. You are faster than 60% of the defensive backs. <laughs> In the CFL, when you have the ability to, you know, get a first down with your feet, do it because he threw it a couple of times. One time almost got picked because he sailed it over the head of Eugene Lewis. And I'm thinking, okay, Vernon, like, 
it's funny because Deion Sanders always used to say this, always used to yell this on NFL Network when they used to do their highlight show. Do what you do, Mike Vick. Yeah. Do what you do, Vern Adams Jr. And that's run the football. Yes, you have progressed as a passer. I'm sorry. I don't think you're there yet, right? I'm not saying you can't that's get fair, there. Yeah. But your ability to run is unmatched yeah. with any quarterback in the CFL. Maybe Cody Fajardo, but Cody Fajardo's way of running is completely different than you. He's running between the tackles and he will run somebody over. Come here. Cody made a play. I think it was week two against uh, whoever they played. It's amazing how in week one, everything's crystal clear. By week three, it's all a blur because you're like, there's so many games. Oh my God, there's been so much football. Uh, but he made a play with his legs in week two where I was like, that dude is so good. Like, I can't believe that we just were thinking he was a, this is the funny thing about quarterbacks in the CFL. We all just think that they're a short yardage backup guy. Who's never going to be able to throw. Cause he's trash. And then when you see them actually get an offense built around them, you're like, Oh wow. Yeah. He is a quarterback. Like, why did I pigeonhole him as being in that role only? Uh, so it, there's some stuff that these guys do. They're so talented. And to your point, you say that Vernon's faster than 60% defensive backs. I think it's 90 like, like, <laughs> I, like I, I don't in terms of just running with that guy there's not many people that can do it no. so uh yeah I, w- I would say he can use his legs as much as he wants and i love stand back like as he runner. had yeah he had over what was it 260 mm-hmm. uh through the air a lot of that came in the fourth quarter when they were down and they were throwing the ball every play um but stick to the run william yep. Sandback should get more than 15 carries i was saying a couple of weeks ago in that opener i think it was week one where the Edmonton Elks were running the ball with James Wilder Jr. 15 times, but it wasn't translating to points. Yeah. Keep running the ball with William Stanback. He's a great running back, and the, the duo of Stanback and, and Vernon Adams Jr. can do some damage on the ground. Yeah. I just think they need to just stick with that because too many times they're trying to run this like generic passing offense where guys are running comebacks and you know slants through the middle, and it's not working. And it didn't work for a large portion of that game but they kept going back to it. It's like, Mm -hmm. get creative here. Let Vernon run. And again, I think it was on him because there was multiple times where he could have ran. I think one of them was for a touchdown. He could have easily ran for a touchdown and he decided to, you know, throw the ball. Uh, Toronto and Winnipeg, the game that I fake called. Uh, so I was very close to it. I studied a lot (laughs) going in and, uh, I was amazed by DJ Foster in this game. Obviously, he was a big storyline. But the, the my main takeaway from this game, obviously, great to see fans in the stands in Toronto. Such a beautiful day for football. I'm glad everybody got out there to enjoy. I know there was a lot of Ticats fans. I got a message from uh, from Don Sprague, uh, who was an old listener of our radio show and is a huge Ticats fan. Uh, you might know him as the guy that always has the uh, face paint on. He DM'd me a picture of him. He says he has season tickets with the Argos this year, which I'm like, man, a Ticats super fan buying Argos season tickets is the <laughs> CFL world that I want to live in, where people just want more football in their life. So, uh, But my main takeaway from this whole game was how happy I was for Nick Arbuckle. And the reason for that is that dude, if you know his backstory, Matthew Shinetti did a great job of detailing it with his mom taking her life and dealing with mental health struggles. Uh, and then he basically goes through and uses football as a, as a way to kind of ground his life in something consistent and to be around teammates. And we used to joke a long time ago on our radio show on TSN about him being like a Disney prince because he just gives all these, all these great answers and he's so articulate, well-spoken. But the more that you learn about Arbuckle, the more you realize that, that that's genuine. Like he's just a really well put together face the franchise type guy. And for him to want to be a starting quarterback and earn the right to be a starting quarterback in the CFL. He goes four and three with Calgary gets traded to Ottawa. He, I know Kyle, because I've interviewed him on this. 
and he's been very transparent with me. He bought in to wanting to be a red black. He loved Ottawa. He wanted to raise his daughter in Ottawa. He, he was mentally locked in on that being his life. And then Matt Nichols gets released from Toronto, ends up getting signed by Ottawa. And two minutes later, he gets released after he's like moving into a house, essentially in Ottawa, gets let go, gets picked up by Toronto, head is spinning. And I interviewed him like two days after that here on CFP. You can go back and listen to the the interview if you want. It's in our podcast feed. And in that moment from February of 2021, he's just, you could tell he was, he was stunned. And he gets an opportunity to start. And he goes out and he does that. He leads the offense. He takes down the defending Grey Cup champions. And fair or unfair, he does it in a day where Ottawa, again, struggles offensively for the second time this year against, albeit a Saskatchewan defense that's very good. And at this point, I'm thinking, man, if I was Ottawa, I would want Arbuckle. Like, after what I saw this weekend and what I've seen through the first couple of weeks from what the Red Blacks have done, I think I would have wanted Arbuckle in that spot because he showed arm strength. He's got a live arm. He's got a relatively accurate arm. He makes good decisions. Uh, he can use his legs when he needs to. He's got leadership in the huddle. He's not afraid to let people see how much he cares about winning. It's just like, there's so much stuff to like about Nick Arbuckle. I'm happy for Argos fans. I'm glad they have a quarterback that looks like it's it's going to be something, hopefully long-term. Now, your definition of long-term, depending on where you're at, is in the CFL, usually two to five years. Um, not a whole lot of things last longer than five years, which is why, you know, Bo Levi in Calgary has been happening for a long time. And we forget how fortunate Calgary fans are to be able to have that. But I was just happy for Arbuckle. I thought Foster was great. Uh, Winnipeg's defense still scares the hell out of me. I understand that they didn't necessarily yeah. get a lot of stops and they gave up a ton of yardage, but they're still so good. And when they need to make a game changing play, Jackson Jeffcoat's going to fly around the edge on you and slap the ball out, force a fumble, pick it up. Somebody will take it to the house. So um, Winnipeg is very, very good. I hope people don't discount them just because they lost a football game. It's going to happen eventually. Yeah. But Toronto, is they're showing you something that I, I hope continues throughout the year because they're a fun team. It's funny because I watched this game and the only thing I could think of was, man, how bad was the Ticats rush defense in the first game against the Bombers because Brady Oliveira looked like a world beater in week one. It's kind of been shut down <laughs> the last week two, week two against Toronto had like 29 yards. I don't know what the final number was in this one, but it couldn't have been more than 30 or 40. Like, uh, this one was 28, seven carries for 28 yards. Like that's what I'm saying. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't think we can measure this Winnipeg offense. Cause I think if there's a weak point, obviously with the blue bombers, it's going to be on the offensive side of the ball. Can they put up a, a, a enough points against the great teams in the CFL? I don't think Toronto's there yet, but mm-hmm. when they play Saskatchewan, can they score enough points and and slow down Cody Fajardo in that offense? I think that's going to be the measuring stick for the Blue Marvers. But I don't think you can measure them until Andrew Harris gets back in the lineup. That's uh, true. When he gets back, I think they're will it make a difference is, though? Like, and I think oh, I think, that, it, I think, I think they'll lean on him. The thing that I was concerned by is that Kenny Lawler went from being the leading pass catcher in the CFL with 14 coming into that game to basically being you know three four five targets and they're all curls when they're playing off coverage in the fourth quarter because they're just allowing everything in front of them and I was like man when he was playing in the boundary wide receiver role that Darvin Adams returned to after the shoulder injury from training camp he was one of the best receivers in the CFL through two weeks and now he just he gets moved to the field side and it's like there's no love like the whole point is that Darvin can be dangerous but you got to find Lawler and it's I don't know they're going to have to adjust and figure that out and when Harris comes back they're going to have to adjust and refigure it out so yeah, their offense might not be able to carry its weight as much as it would like to, but 
the defense and the special teams in Winnipeg are still going to give you an opportunity to win games no matter who you're playing against yeah as for the Argos uh Arbuckle looked good I think the bigger storyline was 9800 down at BMO I think that was the number I saw yeah. and it was 12,000 capacity um and a lot of people were saying it was 15,000 but I don't think it was it was um, widely reported that it was 15 I believe I saw and then very close to the game it was actually like hey it's 12 so but it, I, I can yeah. say from being there it was loud as hell yeah, like it's clear. It's I don't know if that came through the TV or not for people that were watching, but for nine thousand people, like I've been at, I've played in university games that had six thousand people that were a quarter as loud as that. And so Argos fans, shout yeah. out to you for doing that. Maybe it's the roof above the reverberating noise. I don't know, but it was it was a fun environment, man. I I wish that people would just like go to BMO and realize that you can have a lot of fun there. <laughs> it's a good spot for a football game. I was talking to Andy Fantuz in the booth about this. He's I was just saying it's a lot of fun to be here. Like this is a great football stadium. It really is. So I hope more people take advantage and they got a Thursday nighter as well, which hopefully people will go and enjoy Thursday night football in downtown Toronto. And, uh, you know, on your, on your commute home, maybe out of Toronto for people that work in the city and are still going to the office these days, yeah, drop in and hang out and have a beer and watch some football. It's pretty good. Yeah. Um, it, on TV, it looked really good and the atmosphere looked good at BMO. Obviously it wasn't good. down there like you were um but i'll take your word for it if it if it you know, was loud it, i was amazed how loud it was it didn't make sense to me because everybody rips on the noise and i haven't been to a, a live cfl game yet this season but uh the first game back in the east toronto uh, they showed out well and the final game of the weekend for you here uh we're going to break down in the three minute warning because i don't have more than three minutes on it get ready get ready let's go a little urgency here we go Let's go. We're almost out of here. This is the three-minute warning brought to you by... Uh, it's brought to you by Go Transit this week. Been living on the Go Train lately, Kyle. The, the Go Train was uh, was That busy. Presto card? <laughs> yeah, buddy. Out? Oh, I've been <laughs> loading up the Presto card. I actually know how to load up the Presto card on my app now. I feel like I'm a, I'm a fully functioning 21st century human being, which is great. <laughs> uh, but the reason I say it's brought to you by Go Transit is because I was on the Go Train while Saskatchewan and Ottawa was happening, and I haven't had a chance to go through the game film as of yet. So okay. what did you see? What were your takeaways? I watched it. Um, you said earlier in the show, you don't think Ottawa's offense is as bad as uh, they've looked through the first uh, two games. Um, I would argue you on that. Um, they look, <laughs> they look bad, beyond bad. Um, uh, you really caught Matt me. Nichols' fault. You caught me red-handed. It's not Matt there. Nichols' fault. I, I said that Ottawa's offense isn't as bad as I think everybody thinks they are, and then I admitted I haven't watched the game yet. So, eh. <laughs> no, uh, they look really bad, and the only touchdown they scored in the game. Um, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders have zero respect for the Ottawa Red Blacks offense, like zero respect, so much so that in the fourth quarter, they decided, hey, we're going to take three personal fouls on the same drive because we don't give a crap. We're going to hit people after the whistle. We're going to throw a punch. We do not care. And that's how Ottawa got their points. If not for that, uh, they probably get three and it's a laugher. This is the only game I got uh, right on CFPerspective.com. Hey. Um, I took uh, Saskatchewan minus 10 and a half. Um, I just thought Saskatchewan was that much better. And uh, yeah, the, the spread uh, came through with the Riders. But for Ottawa, it is uh, it is really bad. There you go. Uh, that is the show for us today. As always, thanks to Fox 40 and thank you to Sawdust City Brewing Company. Make sure you're going to their website, sawdustcitybeer.com. Shop their wide variety of brews. They have so much good stuff in their August release calendar. Uh, go check it out. It, there's a wide plethora of things that they've just put out in the last month here that are brewery exclusives that you can get by going to their website. They ship beer out twice a week. I believe it's Tuesdays and Thursdays that it's out. You can use the promo code CFL for free shipping 
on orders over $100, courtesy of our friends Sada City Brewing, available to Ontario residents only and must be of legal drinking age. Get some beer before Labor Day. Get some fun beer. Treat yourself here, okay? Uh, to go into Labor Day, enjoy some of the best games of the year, some of the most fun games of the year with some great quality Ontario craft beer. Again, SadaCityBeer.com and use that promo code CFL. Kyle, on to week four we go. Argos Elks. I'm looking at that uh, Ottawa BC game. Oh, yeah. Uh, see what the broadcaster is, <laughs> uh, is doing in the booth. I will say this. Uh, you're probably going to have some nerves going in. It's your first uh, big TV gig. I understand that. For as bad as... Look, you're a great broadcaster, and I trust that you're going to do a fantastic job. If it goes sideways, <laughs> don't worry, because it's going to be not even close to what the Ottawa Red Blacks are going to put on the field with their offense. That's all. Uh, that's on for Well, the, I think the challenge might be that if Ottawa isn't producing much, what do we produce? <laughs> uh, what do we What do we talk about? I'm not sure, but we will uh, we will get to that bridge and cross it apropos when we need to i'm going to go read a dictionary for the next four or five days and hopefully have something interesting to say for uh, for all of you on the broadcast again bc ottawa coming up this saturday night let's make it the highest rated game on tsn across the network on saturday throughout all the days of football okay thanks everybody appreciate you marshmallow right here on cfp the result of the play is a touchdown after the play unsportsmanlike conduct on all players from both teams Let's take care of ourselves and each other. Uh, let's not go to the lowest common denominator and get paranoid. Let's do our due diligence, take the precautions we need to to take care of ourselves and those of us around us. Right now, more than ever before, we're all more dependent on each other.